Can we just have a, a, a show of these just microphone noises? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's all it that's, is. Uh, that's what the people tune in for, I think. Yeah, my microphone is literally digging into the side of my desk. Like I have the the hole drilled out where the Rode Podcaster stand goes in, but I don't know, something happened where, I, I mean, it's just cheap IKEA particle board, but the stand is like digging into the desk now, so it's it's at an angle. And so the, the microphone basically is just like falling over on itself. Hmm. Sounds less than ideal. I less than uh, less than optimal, as you would typically say. Yeah. You should try an Android phone. It's, it's like it's like that all the time. <laughs> Falling apart on its side, basically. Well, so you have a thing though in the in the Slack this week that that simply says Android 5.0 isn't too bad. It's still not right, but it's not it's it's less bad than it has been. Hmm. Like, I don't know. If if I didn't have an iPhone, I'm, I'm sure this would be tolerable. It's just that Android apps are so crappy. Or it's just that no, no, nobody cares. They just, don't, um, they just don't look as nice. They don't go for the level of polish that iOS developers strive for. Even though it's the same developers, but I assume they just think that they don't have to put in as much effort because they, the customers expect it to be crappy. Wasn't there some big initiative? I think it was in maybe 4.0 where there was like a standard design language i forget what that was called no that's on 5.0 and that well oh. we should be saving this for the actual show oh no we're we're live um it was called uh material design oh that's and that right. was part of uh this past july's um google io conference and yeah it, it's not bad like it, like the motion is very very fluid on it and it's it's very nice yeah i kind of like this moto x 2014 edition or whatever the hell it's called. I, w I was just about to ask you what you're running it on. Yeah, I'm running, running it on a, a bamboo-plated phone. Oh, did you get that uh, customized? I did. Are you serious? Yeah. You chose bamboo? I did. It was either football leather or, <laughs> or this, or just plain black. Did you? So you didn't have access to all the options? Well, uh, what other options are there? I thought there were like lots of different brands. Well, you can make them really ugly. Like I, I didn't want purple. Like I enjoy the color purple, but not on a phone. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go for orange. They have uh, an option to get metallic orange accents, but it looks kind of ugly in person. It's kind of like when I was thinking about getting a green Ford Fiesta. Looked fine on the internet, but then in person. Ugh. Yeah, that I uh, that iPad uh, keyboard case that I have. I ended up getting it in blue, but there was a green that looked very nice. Uh, oh, we should um, we should come back to that. We teased that last week, and you had mentioned that you maybe wanted to talk about that some. Uh, kind of. Um, I think I'm going to wait until Sunday to start my experiment. Oh well, we can, maybe we'll close the show by telling the, the telling the listeners what you're what you're planning on doing. Sure. Okay. And we're going to be taking a slightly extended break from the show for a week, right? That's right. Yeah, we will uh, we will not be recording next week, uh, but we will be back on track the following week. All right. Email Ryan. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's 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 my fault. Uh, you know, as usual, you you are you are consistently prepared in a timely manner each and every week, and the same could not be said for me. I consistently stand in a micro uh, in front of a microphone and open Skype an hour a week <laughs> on a on a late Wednesday evening. Yes, I don't do much else, but that's I show up. You do. All right. Um. So I've got very little. Um. Kind of a slow week. Um, and, you know, as is typical of our show, we have a really good episode, and then we follow that with by a real a... stinker. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. I thought, I thought last week's, you know, not, not, to, not to talk about the show on the show, but um, I thought last week's was good. I, I liked our, our Uber discussion. Sure. Cactuses. Cacti. I'm glad I, um, I had considered using Cactus Society in a title earlier in the series. I'm, I'm glad that I saved it for this episode. Oh, is that what it ended up being called? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Again, that proves that I don't, I don't <laughs> listen or pay attention to the, to the output of this at all. But it, it really does. That's okay. Yeah, I, um, I mentioned this last week too, but talking about editing the show made me think about it again. I, I do want to talk about um, logic at some point. It's, it's very, very nice. Sure. Um, I think. Do, so, do you think it has, like, after a couple of days of use, do you think it's kind of the same ease as GarageBand, just more feature rich? 
like once you have a decent level of knowledge or is it like final cut pro where it's like one of those things that just you need like years of experience for it to be uh reasonable well you know i'm sure to use it like in air quotes properly i would need years of experience with it but for the purposes of our show having been using GarageBand for the last few years, I was able to pick it up almost right away. And I, I think I said this last week too. I mean, if you were to look at a computer monitor from across the room and look at Logic, it'd be hard to tell the difference between it and GarageBand. UI-wise, they're very, very, very similar. Well, one has podcasting features and the other one doesn't. Isn't that the deal? Not like, really. Didn't, didn't they no. strip uh, all the podcasting stuff out of GarageBand basically with the most recent update? Yeah, they, I mean, there really wasn't much there to begin with. It was really just a couple of, like, filters. But neither neither piece of software is geared towards podcasting. In fact, I, I think I did this as a bit of an experiment. If you look on the App Store page for Logic, and if you search for the word podcast, I don't think it ever appears anywhere. Hmm. So it's it's not really a podcasting or really even an audio focused tool it really is focused on music again if you look at the app store page you'll almost exclusively see various mentions to musical performances and editing and and such but um, it it does end up working really really nice for uh, podcasting interesting yeah jason snell seems to uh, swear by it yeah and that's um that's kind of the the method uh, that I'm following. He had a great post which inspired me buying Logic to begin with, and that's I'm following a very very similar method as as him, and um, yeah, it's it's great. I like it a lot. Uh, do you listen to any of his shows? Occasionally, I'll, I'll listen to the Incomparable when the topic interests me, but that's about it. Gotcha. Again, I still strongly recommend you listen to Upgrade. That is that the the tech focused one he does. That's the one he does with the uh, the British man, Mike Hurley. Oh, I like him. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, yeah. The the incomparable. It's too sci fi centric. Um. So I I just don't listen to it at all, just because I I can't be that. I have to get I have to enjoy the majority of like a podcast's content. I'm not good at um, just picking and choosing. Yeah, you know I I used to always listen to podcasts from start to finish i would almost never start an episode and not finish it but i've really gotten away from that where if an episode of a show doesn't hook me in the first 15 20 minutes i'm i'm very likely just to delete it yeah this is actually a topic i've been wanting to ask you about on the show which is is related um podcast ads Mm-hmm. And the the talk show is actually the kind of prime example of this, which sparked me even thinking about it to begin with. So there's sort of, you know, at a really basic level, two main ways that ads are done on on podcasts. And I guess really sort of any sort of audio program. One is where you have a, you know, let's say 15 to 30 second read where, you know, generally you're reading off of a script or in some way the the spot is sort of prepared. And then there's an alternative method where you sort of just break in, you know, the ad sort of into into the conversation naturally. I mean, it's it's very clear you're starting an ad and ending an ad, but it it's more conversational in nature. Which for a long time I I preferred the the latter way. I always thought, you know, ad reads at either the beginning or end of an episode were kind of annoying frequently. But the thing I've noticed with these natural ad reads, particularly on the talk show, is that they sometimes go on for three, four, like up to five minutes. Like there, I, I, this most recent episode with actually no, it wasn't the Merlin episode. It was the episode before with Ben Thompson. There was an ad read. I didn't time it exactly, but I think it was like four minutes and thirty seconds, four forty-five, something like that. Um. What what's your, what's your take on that? What which which do you prefer? It depends on what the product is and whether or not it interests me or not. I kind of appreciate like I guess I I agree with you where I like the unscripted kind of just talking about it, but I think that generally only works if it's a product that the um the host or the guest is kind of passionate about. Like I mean like whenever like on the older back to works like whenever like Smile Software or somebody like a, a product that they use every day and they have things to add about it were really useful so you got kind of like an ad and like a productivity tip or something 
but I don't know. Yeah, it's sometimes if if you, they if they go off script too much, it ends up just being a long meandering thing that kind of just you just hit the the thirty second skip button a lot. Yeah, and that's um you know in addition to having not used to ever you know stop listening to episodes. The other thing that I didn't used to do is ever skip through ads. I almost always just let the episode play, but. Now with these longer ad reads, especially again on the talk show, I I do find myself using that thirty second skip button a lot. I do too, especially when like it just if it's something like I I understand like Squarespace I I they're like almost single handedly supporting the entire podcasting uh, economy, but uh, I I don't care about Squarespace seven. So anytime somebody starts talking about it, just uh, tap the thirty second skip button six times, and it's usually about what I need. That actually hadn't really, I haven't thought as much about this, but that is something else that I've noticed with podcasting ads is it's really the same five or six companies that advertise across all podcasts. Oh, yeah. So you, it's, you, it's, are... it's, uh, you got your Squarespaces, you got your MailChimps, you got your uh, Stamps.com. Uh, who else? Audible seems like they've kind of gotten out of the game, like post-Amazon acquisition. Yeah, well, no, they still do. They still do a fair amount. They do Hello Internet. They do a few other ones. Okay. Yeah, I did. You know, you you mentioned you liked the kind of like productivity tip that you'd get with the uh, Smile software ads. I I really enjoyed the book recommendations through Audible. Yeah, and and those still kind of come into play on on shows that still do them. But yeah, the Squarespace stuff. Like I don't know. Wow, this is this is really uninteresting for a lot of people, but. No, I, I don't talking think so. About podcasting ads on people were probably trying to barely coax into listening to their first technology podcast, which, for better or for worse, happens to be this one. I, no, I, I think I think ads are you know ads are kind of an important part of you know as you as you say the podcasting ecosystem. So I don't know. I, I think I think they play a, a pretty important role in whether or not people enjoy the way a show is sort of formatted and set up. Yeah. So, well, on that note, let's do a good uh let's do a good uh, segue. Uh who's sponsoring this episode? Um, you know, we we had a last minute cancellation this week, so um unfortunately nobody this week. Hmm. Sorry about that. You're you know, you'll you'll check we'll still be coming in the mail, of course, but <laughs> uh sponsored by Ford, my Ford Touch. Yeah, well, that's that's no, that's going away. Or, or or whatever sync or whatever whatever it is. You know the, the complete tangent, but um, I'm a bit concerned about sync three. Is that the one that's uh, powered by the QNX, the BlackBerry thing? Sort yes. of. Yes. Okay. What's the deal with that? So we've you know we've talked on the show about how the lease is up on my car at the end of August or beginning of September, sometime around there. So you know if I get a car right away, which I'm I'm planning on, it would it would be a 2016 model, or that would at least be you know the newest model that I could get. And there isn't very clear information about which 2016 models the that Sync Three is going to be available on. Um, they on the website they say it's going to be some models, but then they also go on to say that it's going to be on I think all vehicles by the end of like calendar year 2016 so my fear is that a majority of 2016 ford vehicles like model year 2016 ford vehicles are are not going to have sync 3 and that's going to be that's going to be kind of a dilemma right because i'll be buying this car knowing that the very next year's model is going to have a significantly better you know infotainment system that's kind of stink yeah it's oh. kind of that's kind of be that's did kind you of what did it's you gonna really be like. just did you just do that what do you mean did you just make a bad pun no it, it really sounded like you said that really sinks instead of that really stinks no I, i'm sorry I, if i'm slowing my speech or something like that. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you made a really great pun. No, no. I, we can. We you can. Uh, you can use your fancy logic skills and, and edit it to make it look like I did that. But I don't think I. I don't think I need to. It really did sound like you said sync. No, I said that really stinks. Just because. No, I like because I. I totally get that feeling. Because that's how you're gonna feel in two months when you get the Apple Watch, and you'd be like, "Wow, I wasted all this money on this first gen product that will be good in a year." 
Well, not not really comparable though, because I'm going to be going into purchasing a $350 iPhone accessory, knowing that I'm probably going to upgrade it right away to the next version. Whereas when you're purchasing a twenty-five dollars or $30,000 vehicle that you're financing over the course of, let's say, six, seven years, that's uh, not quite as feasible. Especially because it, it sounds like, you know, the jump from the current version of Sync to Sync, th Sync 3 is going to be such a big one. You know, obviously, like, I know that Sync for the last number of years has had minor improvements from year to year. So, you know, whatever, you can kind of accept that. But well, but you know, it's not going to be good anyway. No in-car stuff is good. That's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. And I, and I really want to like it. But no in-car stuff is good at all. Have you have you found any sort of peace with yours or no, mm. not no? It's gone the other direction. No, and the thing is, in that like every every like month they ship a new app update, which just I I don't know if they only have like two uh, two people writing it, but it's just like it alternates months in terms of which uh which actually works and which one is completely inoperable. Hmm. You know, there was a really I can't I can't remember where the, I found this link. You may have seen it too, but somebody had posted a variety of uh, photos from really high-end vehicles like Lamborghini. Oh yeah, and... a, a Ferrari looks like it's a like it looks <laughs> like it's a Dodge. Right. It's um they these photos are of the of the, you know, the technology in the car, like what the kind of like user interface looks like on the like navigation system and and stuff and wow. Even I mean even worse than just, you know, like what a stock Ford or like, you know, Chevy setup or something looks like. Yeah, most definitely. It's like the most the more expensive the car is, like the the jankier the you know, UI is in the car. Yeah. Very disappointing. Yeah, so I don't know. So I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with um with sync. It's especially it's tough too though, because I, I just saw they um came out with some first photos of the 2016 Escape. And I, I really like the look of it. But um, it's going to be kind of a bummer if it's got the old version of Sync. Do you have a link? I, I Not handy, but I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you. What's different about it versus the current one? It's mostly the same, but it did just some minor minor improvements. Gotcha. What? Oh, oh. all right. You're going to edit out that hesitant pause, but... Oh, yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I typically do. Uh, I, I probably won't. I probably want that one just because we've called it out now. But well, I mean, do you think you're gonna hold out for the Apple minivan? Oh, See, um, that, actually, that's why you're gonna edit it out. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, we'll and, we'll and the all, train. Yeah, no, we'll cut all this out. Um, ah, the, this, yeah, the Apple Car stuff. Um, I, you know, I, it just seems like the moment that Apple announces the thing that has long been rumored so most you know most recently that'd be the watch it just seems like people immediately go on and look for the next thing which apparently is a car which I, it, for a long time it seemed like it'd be hard to find anything more ridiculous than like a full-size television but people have now found what would be even more ridiculous than that well you have to understand how frustrating this probably feels to be gene munster right now <laughs> Like if they actually did come out with that before a television, mm. he he he'd, he'd probably lose it. Yeah, I just um, I just don't yeah, I just don't see it. I don't I don't see. I don't see how Apple would ever. I don't I don't see what the narrative of that would be. Well, I mean, it'll it'll never it'll never come out. Like I I assume so. Again, Apple has so much money that they can afford to take on all these funky weird side projects just to say that they're in it in case the market ever turns but apple will never make a car just because it doesn't make any sense for them to make a car apple is about high growth and high volume industries and making 20 to fifty thousand dollar automobiles is not that area like you're not going to move how, like how many iphones did they sell last quarter like 40 million yeah some some ridiculous number you're not going to sell 40 million Apple minivans or, or Project Titan or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> like, I, 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 people who suggest this, while I don't doubt that some type of in-car research or self-driving stuff might be kind of a, like a hypothetical thing or a very like far-out project, 
them actually coming to market with a car will never happen just because that's, that's just a dumb idea. Like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't play to their strengths. Well, not to mention, you know, similar to what we've talked about with the TV and it would be magnified tenfold with a car. They're just not set up to distribute something like that. You know, you, you can't, you can't drop a car in the middle of an Apple store. Well, no, I think they, like Apple is very, very good at logistics and that type of stuff. So if they needed to, they could become very, very good at that. It's just, again, why? They make so much more money and the profit margins are dramatically better on items that are far cheaper and far easier to distribute. If they're make if they're raking in thirty five to forty percent profit margins on an iPhone or an iPad, why the hell are they gonna go to a much lower volume product like an automobile and uh accept like ten percent margins on it, even though it might be more in terms of dollars, the unit sales would be just such that it's completely unfeasible or it's just a waste of time well they could they could make up the uh, the margins at their um automotive genius bar <laughs> apple care plus for your car and it costs it costs seven grand exactly you got priority technical support for your uh <laughs> for, for how, how do you parallel parking somebody just talks to you on the phone for six hours there were there were a lot of really really good puns on that fake Jonathan Ive Twitter account that I follow this week about the car. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one about there being a, a Mophie juice pack for the car, which I thought was uh, was pretty good. Mm, I've been making that joke about Teslas for years, though. It was, it was gonna be like a U-Haul sized trailer, and it's a <laughs> USB powered uh, Mophie juice pack for for a Tesla, and it costs right. twenty thousand dollars. Right. Uh, there was some other one. There was one that was um, something about uh, the car having a click wheel. Yeah, so that that's the one that you sent me earlier today, and I and I was very very pleased with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I um, I don't think Apple is the one that's going to do this, but it does really seem like there's a market for. A, a more tech focused vehicle. I think really the only example that comes close is Tesla, but Tesla's a, a weird case because it's also like a fully electric vehicle, which is, I think, in some ways a little too forward thinking for like the current market. Like, I, I would love to see a more like traditional slash more kind of affordable vehicle. But but one that also has sort of the the tech angle to it. You know what I mean? I think the uh, in car infotainment systems will will get better. I just Google and Apple are already trying that with CarPlay and Android Auto. I just you just have to think that in terms of volume of unit sales, it just doesn't. It's not worth anybody's time to really invest the resources in making it better. Like, th- this doesn't make Apple that much more money, even if they make something that's amazing and everybody wants it. People don't buy cars frequently enough, and people don't spend enough time in them frequently enough to value that enough in terms of, of, of dollars spent. Yeah, that I mean, that does seem like the logical limitation and the logical reason why infotainment centers or infotainment systems, rather, haven't gotten better is just because the demand just isn't there for them. Like even if, if even if a company like uh like Ford really really cared about it and and I think they actually gave it a good go like oh what do you um like my Ford Touch was in 2009 kind of good. Like it was it was way better than anything else out there. It was still kind of crummy, but it was it was way better by comparison. Like I don't know, they did, again to hire enough staff to develop the software that makes that run smoothly and is an intuitive interface just it's it's not worthwhile because it's going to just going to add too much cost to the car and they're not a luxury brand and if it were a luxury brand they don't move enough units to do that either i mean trust me i I feel you on that but i think eventually the in-car stuff just has to become kind of like a dumb display that allows you to airplay whatever's on your phone and that siri just needs to get up a hell of a lot better I mean, yeah, actually, I've I've thought about how, in some ways, the perfect setup would just be like an like literally just like an iPad in the dash and have it somehow connected to all the, you know, car systems. Yeah, 
I assume that's probably where it's going to lead because again, like, I mean, you, I mean, there are like actual setups where you can, you know, embed an iPad in in certain car dashes, but I mean, it's not it's not going to be integrated with all of your vehicle systems, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know that's really what you're looking for. Sure. So anyway, Project Titan. I don't I don't think it's that's going to really be a thing or go anywhere. No, I don't think so either. But again, Apple's made of money. They just everybody, literally everybody working for the company sleeps on a bed of money, so they they can do whatever they want. That's true. So more power to them. So we, ah, never mind. I was going to go into the oh, I guess I'll just make a recommendation that the New Yorker uh, published a really really good and also very very long uh, profile of Johnny Ive, which I haven't finished reading, so I won't actually talk about it. Um, but yeah, people should probably read that. Yeah, maybe when we come back in a couple of weeks, we'll have both finished it by then. <laughs> when it's totally not news anymore, and all attention will be have uh, will have turned to the Apple Watch. Yeah, maybe within a couple of weeks, we'll have an announcement for some like pre-release event. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe we'll see. That might still be too early. Yeah, uh, what's his name said first? <laughs> the, sorry, the first third of the year. <laughs> Oh, Tim. I mean, you think, you know, if, if Apple watches the, you know, last Friday of April, which that's what my money would be on. I don't know when you'd, I don't know when you'd have the event, like the pre-release event. So what what do you think a pre-release event would show? Because again, uh, from all the developer chatter, uh, the Apple Watch is going to be extremely limited and to the point where it's just going to be kind of a passive notification type of device. So what exactly are they going to show? Because they can't have another event that just shows what they've already shown again like kind of like an in case you forgot type thing i think there'll be three main things they'll be highlighting various third-party apps which they did a little bit of in the initial announcement but very very little now that the sdk has been out there for some time i think i think there's the opportunity for some cool third-party apps to be shown um i think the other thing would be um pricing and availability in terms of like pre-orders and such and then also general kind of specs you know battery life that kind of thing i'm i i don't think the battery life thing is going to happen you think you think they'll they'll just literally just not ever say what the battery life is and just let people figure it out or like bury it you know like how websites will always have like the little footnotes at the bottom with the really really small light font it'll just be somewhere buried down there Probably just because since it's not a, it's not going to be a good number. Not not for lack of trying, but I, I don't see why they would. Yeah, Gruber had a little little tidbit in I think it was two talk shows ago where he says he doesn't have any sort of like firsthand sources on the Apple Watch, but he does have you know kind of his like secondhand sources, and he he did say that predictably the battery life continues to be kind of the main problem. So. I think the main problem is going to be finding a use for it. Nah, well, that's that's just you you being you. What what on earth does that mean? <laughs> you just you're not a fan of the of the notifications on your on your wrist. You just don't you don't see the the value in those. So can we just can we doodle this <laughs> so that like a week after you've owned the watch, let me know how many days it actually was powered on. <laughs> Because, again, that's what's going to happen. I literally did have my pebble die on me yesterday. And you have to charge it a fifth as often as you'll have to charge the Apple Watch. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we've mentioned this before, too. In some ways, it's actually going to be better that I charge the Apple Watch every day, like on a regular schedule. Because with the pebble, because it's, you know, every, like, three to five days, it's, it's easier to forget. That's the, kind of the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's like that's like the most effective spinning a positive into or a negative into a positive ever. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that was your exact response the other time that I tried that too. So <laughs> you're consistent. I think um I think we just have to make it a rule, you know, similar to how we have our you know, weekly Gruber mentioned. I think the Apple Watch just has to be mentioned every show until it comes out. Well, I mean, it's a legitimate news story. That's true. But we do we do seem to uh, come back to it a lot. It's probably if we were to make one of those like word clouds, you know, of the show. 
I think obviously number one would be Uber, but then I think a close second would be Apple Watch. Well, I guess my question, so actually this is something we haven't talked about before. So what's the benchmark for success of the Apple Watch? Like in terms of like, if we want to put it, put it in Tim Cook terms, um, in, in terms of uh, customer sat and probably partially um, in terms of units sold. Because I th- like I, I I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy about this or or a negative Ned, um, to not make this gendered, but I think a lot of people they're probably still going to sell quite a few of them. Not iPhone numbers, of course, just because a smaller percentage of people who buy iPhones are going to buy this. But a lot of people are going to be kind of underwhelmed with it, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of even if a ton of people buy this one, I don't think a lot of people will buy Gen two. Because I think just they haven't demonstrated enough of a need, and based on people who I've talked to who normally buy all new stuff, a lot of them think they're going to sit it out, or that if they do get one, they're going to be underwhelmed by it, and it's just going to be kind of like a cool thing to have. And usually that's not the case with any new Apple thing. Well, I, I, I can't... Um... I mean, you, you're more of the Apple historian than I am, but has there really ever been an Apple product where the device is is really just more of a like companion device um ipods sort of yeah i was thinking i was thinking that too no but the thing is ipods were standalone products like you don't need to have you didn't have to have your mac within 20 feet of it for it to be functional so no i guess i'm i don't think so i mean the ipods were maybe a slightly better analogy back when they were mac only but particularly when they were mac and windows compatible i mean they weren't really like a companion to anything specific. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so I think in, in some ways that, that does make Apple Watch sort of an invalid comparison to really anything that's come before it. But uh, so I, I guess, again, so what's, what's the qualification for success? Like, at, like app downloads or like... Some... No, I think, I think one of the interesting metrics will be taking like the total number of active iPhone users and seeing how many Apple watches have been sold like as a percentage of those total active iPhone users. But do you think whether or not people actually use and like it is is a worthwhile metric? Oh, of course. I'm I'm thinking more about like sales metrics. Well, that's that's what I'm saying where I don't really know how you'd gauge it being a success. Well, I think in I mean in terms of um being successful in like in terms of revenue you know gruber ran some numbers along i think with mg sigler he was kind of bouncing back and forth with this on you know especially if the sterling uh the uh, stainless steel rather and the uh gold versions end up being as expensive as some of the rumors have suggested they're going to be they don't really need to sell a whole lot of them before those numbers start to become really, really big. I still, I, I still can't like. I, I think, I, I don't think it's entirely wrong to think that the gold watch in particular is going to be five, six, seven, up to ten thousand dollars. But I just no, like it if, if, if that, well, if that ends up being the case, I just it won't be. I don't know. It, it just won't be, sir. I just we've we've talked extensively. I just don't know what the like how the upgrade path works on that. Like there has to be something. Like I, like again, I think we've talked about this already, but I, I think that whole like postulation of like the internal components will be swappable. I th- I don't think there's a chance in hell that's happening. That's just that's just way too fiddly, and it just it just won't. Which is what makes the addition a lot more confounding. Yeah. Or perplexing. I'm not sure which word I mean. <sighs> hmm. Again, the whole product is weird just because it's a product that doesn't really need to exist. Like in its current form, like it needs to exist down the road. Like I think uh, connected devices and watch, like in five years from now, let's say they're able to nurture this product effectively, being able to not even have to, like if you're at Whole Foods and you just want to pay for something, you can just tap your wrist. You don't have to take your phone out of your pocket. Like that's a really cool thing. And that keeps you locked into three, three Apple products, Apple Watch, iPhone, and Apple Pay, and kind of indirectly iTunes. Like it's going to be important, but there's a whole lot of stuff that has to happen in between then for that to be to to get there, because because year one is going to be terrible, I, and I don't think I'm out of line, or I don't I don't think I'm being overly pessimistic in saying that it's going to be super limited and really underwhelming. 
what I'm really going to be interested to see is whether you have the same sort of experience I've had with the Pebble, where going into it, I think in a lot of ways, I felt the way that you currently do about Apple Watch, where I just didn't really see why I needed it. I didn't really see why it would be so useful. But almost immediately with the Pebble, it just became one of those indispensable accessories for my iPhone. And being able to just glance down at my wrist and see notifications was overnight a huge change in the way that I used my phone. And I don't know, it's going to be curious. I'm going to be curious to see if the Apple Watch does something similar for you with the iPhone. It is like it's just it, it's in some ways really just does feel like one of those things that you have to kind of see to appreciate and experience to appreciate. But if I can't find a way to force the iPad into my life, I don't know how I'm going to fit the the Apple Watch in my life. Because the battery life thing is going to make it where it's not easy to integrate into your life. That's going to be key. I mean, if 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 you're not able to get through a day comfortably with the Apple Watch, like so going back to your original question, what would be some of the like success criteria for this first version of the Apple Watch? I think if it does last through the day without you having to kind of manage power, that would be a success for Gen 1. I I really, really, really think it needs to get at least two. Like, I think it's going to be a showstopper if you can't get through a day. Like, like all of my pessimism and kind of like reserved um, optimism about it are based on thinking that you can go from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. with it. If that's not the case, then yikes. But my my concern is that I, I come home tired and I just crash without actually plugging it in and then it's dead in the morning. That's my chief concern. But if it doesn't get through an entire day, then ugh. It's going to be interesting to see how fast it charges too. I don't know if you've noticed this with the iPhone 6, but it takes forever to charge. Um, I, I, Again, because I just because it comfortably gets through a day for me, I charge it at night and I never notice. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess when I do charge it during the day, it, it's at work on a, a Belkin dock, which is, you know, just connected to a USB port on my computer. Well, that's the thing. You're, you're only getting a half amp of charge, so it's charging at like a third of the speed. Hmm. Okay, maybe that's what it is. But I don't know. It, it, I, think, um, I think if the Apple Watch can charge quickly, that might help a little bit like if you are in that situation where you've forgotten to charge it but but the thing like i don't think that does it the second what's that steve jobs quote about the the stylus thing like once you've taken it off your wrist like you've already lost like it, it, <laughs> is that is that what he said no he said he said something like like it, it was something about a stylus where like uh if you see a stylus they blew it right like like if if i have to if i like if i forget to charge my my apple watch and i have to take it off when i like get to work at 9 a.m and, and charge it like i'm not gonna wear it it's just over with it's because the gen one product based on what developers are saying is going to be so limited that there's not going to be any type of killer application that's going to have me put up with having to charge it that frequently again with the pebble i i totally have had to bring my cable with me to work and charge it when i get into the office uh it's not it's not great like again like fuel band gives me i, I understand it's an entirely different product but it's current like five to eight days of battery life and the fact that it recharges in an hour on a usb port with a built-in charger even that sometimes feels like a chore and that's like the best possible scenario of any wearable device possible like unless it charged like through connect energy and uh, once that happens then there we go but I guess then. So why why is this different than than your phone? Because the phone is the glue of life. <laughs> There's probably a better way to say that, but like oh, probably. But your phone does everything. Like if your phone's charged, like have you ever left your phone at home? Not not in recent memory. Exactly. No. And if you left your phone at home, you would stop your day and you'd go get it because you can't function for most of the day. Correct. Oh, yes, Sad, sadly, very true. Yes. Like seriously, like again, like the watch, it's going to be so limited that like if, if my phone is is dying, well then I, I will go. If I'm out and about, like I will go to to Radio Shack or maybe not anymore, and, and go buy some type of charger because again, it's that important. 
but the watch, which is some accessory that just shows passive notifications, uh, what am I supposed to do with that? The phone is essential. Like it, it's like the digital equivalent of like water. Like you can't go through a day without it because wow. everything's moved to that. The watch is is going to be a, like a, a kind of nice accessory with poor battery life. Hmm. Again, I think they're very different products. It's going to be fun to go back and listen to these, you know, like a year from now or even just, you know, six months from now. I'm going to listen to these in May and be like, wow, this guy was on it. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not, I'm not that. I just, uh, I want it to be good, but it's not going to be good. And again, it's not Apple's fault. It's just the battery technology is not there. And that's just a bummer because it's, it's I don't know, because I think that's going to sour a lot of people on the idea. And they'd be like, well, no, every, every wearable product is going to be kind of a piece of crap that I have to charge all the time. Wasn't the battery life, though, like on the original iPhone, pretty crappy, too? No. E- even by smart, I mean, like, obviously, the going from, like, a candy bar phone or a flip phone to a smartphone, that was already kind of a big step downward in terms of battery life. But even just comparing the iPhone to smartphones that no. were out around that time. It, it was a day. Like, I mean, it, it was 2G when many other phones were 3G. Like, it had a lot of limitations. But no, it was a day. Hmm. The only one I remember having really, really extraordinarily poor battery life was the um, iPhone 3G for, like, the first few months until they sorted out some software update stuff. Hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Actually, so, uh, so I have a couple things I want to check in with you. Sure. Um, so what's the deal? So uh, you, around Christmas time, switched uh, or started experimenting with Spotify? Yes. How's that going? It's fine. Um, I'm st- I'm still on it. I haven't gone back to RDO or anything. Um, is it growing? Is it growing on you? No, not really. <laughs> okay. I still don't think the playlists are as good as they were on RDO. You mean creating playlists, or or you're just dissatisfied with the Spotify community? <laughs> I'm dissatisfied with the Spotify community. Yes. Okay, I don't think that's a knock against the product. I think you just wish that that one dude. Made... <laughs> Basically, no. I mean, there there were a handful of playlists I really liked on RDO. Where just... <laughs> Wait, what? What were the other ones? Um, like the Sugar Ray anthology or like disco- it, discography? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's fine. Um, um, I I don't I I, just, I don't use it a ton, so that's why it's not really that big of a deal. But um, it's it's fine for what it is. Okay. Um, and then how's your iPad mini been kind of settling into life? It's good. Um, I continue to use it more than I ever did the Air. Um, I'm I'm way more likely when I'm just on the couch watching TV or otherwise just hanging out in the apartment. I'm way more likely to use it instead of my iPhone to just check Twitter or watch a video or, or do something like that. Whereas Quick, quick pause. Which app for Twitter? Since it feels like there's no good app on the iPad for it. <sighs> Twitter, know, affi- Twitter Fix seems to be the least awful of all of them. I uh, I use TweetBot um, only really because I use TweetBot on the iPhone, which is excellent. Um, and the, the sync between the two using iCloud is fairly reliable. So that kind of... Uh, that kind of forces me to use Tweetbot on, on both. Hmm. There are, you know, there are other syncing options within Tweetbot. I, f- I forget what they're called, but they're, um, I can't remember what the names of them are, but they, you can use them to sync between different Twitter clients. So like I, I could use Tweetbot on the iPad and then use something like Twitterific on the iPhone and then using one of these third-party syncing services. In theory, they're supposed to stay synced, but... I've just never found those to be reliable enough. So it's um it's not great on the iPad though, to say the least. It looks like a like iOS four app. Because I think that's actually what it might be. No, I think it's definitely like an iOS six type uh type age. Yeah, I'm exaggerating some, but it, it just it looks very out of place. It's it's the only app I use on a regular basis that, that hasn't switched over to the iOS seven aesthetic. 
And I think it's tough for them uh, just because tap bots, it's just like uh, three guys. And they have to spread their uh, efforts between OS X, iPhone, and iPad. And also they have to deal with Twitter not like kind of just hoping every uh, third-party client just went away and died. And customers who just want free updates all the time. So just like the, the financial uh, aspect isn't really coming through. So it, it's, it's tough. Hey, at least at least their iPhone app is iPhone 6 compatible. Yeah. And speaking of, we we buried the lead this week as as we frequently do, but the formerly known ES or Sports Center app, now known as the ESPN app, is finally. I I don't normally like headlines which use that phrase finally, but finally has gone I, iPhone 6 compatible. Yeah, and in doing so, they found a way to cram even more ads into it. <laughs> well, of course, I did they've not. Got, they've I did got not more think screen that was to work with possible. now. <laughs> well, they've got more screen to work with now. But they're the worst because they're ads that take up the entire screen and stop you from doing whatever you were doing. Yeah, those and there's great. no way to pay for it, which is the worst. Like I, I'm not opposed to paying for applications at all, but companies like that will never let you pay five bucks to remove ads. Yeah, there is there is something you can subscribe to on ESPN, but it's to get access to like additional content. It doesn't. Yeah, like I'm not going to buy ESPN Insider so I can read Buster only talk about like <laughs> the fucking socks. Because, oh, do you, do you see that? You see that picture of Panda? Again, he's he's not our problem. He, he did some great work for us, but not our problem. Yeah, he um, a little out of shape. It it would seem. Well, you got any got anything else? Uh. Yeah, this this is way too short of a show, so that's not possible. We we, we had we had tons of stuff. We we got a, we got a couple of other things. Um, well, so you have oh, you know the dog. The... Wait, when did I send this? Whose dog? I'm I'm <laughs> looking back in the Slack and I see this adorable little uh, beagleish looking thing. Oh, in in our direct messages. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. This is from November. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We the way that we use Slack is so, sometimes a little sporadic. Yeah. Um, um well so you in, in this in this week's ideas channel you have um and the, the listeners love these the uh an, an app recommendation oh yeah i don't um, even know how to pronounce this nuzzle nuzzle okay what is what is this um so it's an application that runs on uh, ipad and iphone um that you log into using facebook or twitter and every time somebody shares an article on one of your social networks it puts them into uh, just kind of like a newsfeed type um, type thing. So it's kind of like uh, since I'm completely over RSS, like I just think it's too much effort for very very little reward. Uh, Nuzzle kind of um, creates like a uh, like a like a most popular of RSS type thing based on what people you follow are sharing, and I highly recommend it. It's pretty great. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very much so. And also, if you don't follow a ton of people, or if you like, because if you like, if you follow more than a hundred people on on Twitter, it's kind of a mess. Uh, you can also look at other people's feeds. So, of the people you follow, you can also see what um, all the people they follow are sharing, and you can expand it out to like a friends of friends type thing. So, there's never a lack. So, having a small social graph is not an issue with this application. So I definitely recommend it. It's worth the download. You know, I'm I'm still still chugging along on the whole RSS thing. It's uh, it's it's just too tedious. Uh, I I think and also bl- isn't, isn't blogging dead? <laughs> <laughs> um, in some circles, it, it didn't didn't AOL fire everybody? Yeah, basically. It it can RSS can be tedious if you're trying to to read too much. Like I always thought that your issue with RSS, well, you you were just subscribed to too many damn feeds. Well, the thing so is, you were always then, just then woefully I tried, behind. I tried starting again, and I just only followed a couple. And now all I do is I just check Tech Meme and da- and Daring Fireball like twice a day, and and I'm good. Hmm. Like and and because thing is like Twitter does that for me. Like I, like I guess that's that's where it stopped being important because the people I follow on Twitter will post what's important today. So if anything slips through the cracks, it it shows up there. And now Nuzzle will show that for me, and it's it's very good. I really really enjoy it. 
Twitter is Twitter is a really good example. Twitter definitely has also changed the way that I kind of follow the news through the day. It's almost like it's almost like Twitter is the place where I first find out about news, and then RSS is where I go to find out more about that news. Hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not always that way, but for big stories in particular, that that seems to be kind of the flow. But that only works for uh, technology and gaming, generally, right? Entertainment too, like mm-hmm. movie, movies and TV. It's pretty good for sports. Pretty good for. Gotcha. Like you know, when a trade is imminent, or if a big movie announcement's made, it, you know, follow the right people on Twitter. That stuff kind of bubbles up to the top too. I think the the last thing that I have, which should get us to a pretty good show length, I think, is um, Better Call Saul. So you, there, there are three episodes. You, you've only seen the first, so we, you know, we'll stick to talking about just the first episode. But this is uh, AMC's Breaking Bad spinoff. Ooh, sorry. Oh, we also need to talk about Jon Stewart. But... Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we can. I mean, yeah. it's TV-related, so sure, we can sure. do that. We can do that, too. Um, and, you know, so this is, this is made by pretty much all the same folks as Breaking Bad, you know, namely Vince Gilligan, who, you know, created and wrote Breaking Bad, is also the creator and, and head writer of this show. And, um, you know, I, I won't go into specifics for episodes two and three, but I think overall the first three episodes I thought were excellent. I thought they were very, very good. And they were very Breaking Bad-esque just in, in, in terms of their style and in terms of the story structure. You can just really tell that it, it's coming from the same people as Breaking Bad. Yeah, like Vince Gilligan, what he directs has definitely has like a very specific aesthetic. So, what 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 do you think of the first episode? So, the first episode I thought was very very good. I and again, I think I'm kind of uh, the um, the benchmark for spoilers because I'm always late on everything. So, so whenever I eventually watch it, I think it's kind of when it's safe to talk about it. So, so <laughs> I, th- there will be spoilers in this. Sure, for just of the first episode. Exactly. Yeah. You you keep the other two quiet. Yeah. Um. It's pretty crazy when Walt shows up. You <laughs> kidding. Um, so yeah, so so it starts with him, uh, kind of like what the post um, Heisenberg era uh, Saul is up to. He is running his own Cinnabon franchise in New Mexico, in in Omaha. Oh, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, it's all the same. Um, Jeez, <laughs> oh, just I'm kidding. I know I know the flyover stuff sets you off. Um. Oh. So I thought that that was pretty cool, and it was uh like that whole four minute introduction was shot very very Breaking Bad esque, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's very good, and you get to kind of see the origins of Saul Goodman, uh, based on I, I'm not quite well. I assume I'll find out in the next couple episodes, but what the deal is with his um, is it his relative? I it's who's his... the person who works for the like the prestigious law firm and is taking a leave of absence. And shares the same last name. It's his brother. Okay. Older uh, brother. I assume that gets expanded upon in the next couple episodes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's very good. It's interesting. I, I my pers- what I thought was going to happen, it quickly shifted over the course of an hour. Like it, I, what what I got was not what I expected at all, and I'm very interested to keep watching. What were you expecting? I don't know. I thought it would be kind of just like him just in his like strip mall law offices, just taking on like weird like cases week to week. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's probably going to, this is probably going to stink. Yo, you're, you're totally right. That's, you know, and that's, cause that's the thing. Yeah. Like I was super like, I'm like, I, 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 cause Bob Odenkirk is a hilarious comedian and I've enjoyed his stuff for like a, a decade, like even longer since Mr. Show was on, um, which was a thing he did with David Cross like uh 10 or 15 years ago. But I was like, this is this is not going to be good. It's going to be like this hacky, episodic, hour drama thing of just him taking on cases, like it's um, like a TNT show. But um, not at all. You're totally right. That was exactly my impression of it too. My or my first kind of what I expected it to be. I thought it would just take place in the you know couple of years right before Breaking Bad, and he would have already yeah had his complete setup. But this starts in um, 
I think what is it? What what is it in the show? It's like maybe like two thousand four or two thousand four. Okay. Yeah, and and I like all the technology pieces. Everything's very accurate. And Breaking Bad took place um, during what year did it premiere? Two thousand ten. And I think the show took place in 2010 or thereabouts, and the sh- and the show the show covered about what a, about a year to a year and a half of time. Mm-hmm. Well, for the for the most part, and then at the end, kind of yeah, got ahead of things. But um, so yeah, the the show starts back further than I thought, and I think that does expand upon what they can do. Because he's not at his strip mall office, he's he's really like, he's kind of just like a mess. Like I think it, it's interesting in that when we see him in Breaking Bad, financially he seems to be doing pretty well. Seems to have a wide variety of clients. Just overall, seems to be doing okay for himself. But mm-hmm. and in this show, he's he's a half public defender, half just trying to scrape clients along. He's working out of the back of a nail salon. Um. Yeah, it just looks very interesting. I I'm excited to see what to see what happens. And again, it's not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I I, I had not had not. It's been been a long time since I had even thought about the show. Like when it premiered, I had actually forgotten about it until just like a couple of days before it came on. But hey, yeah, I had totally forgotten about what I initially thought that show was going to be. And it, it's it's great that it's not that way. Yeah. Um. And interesting. Uh. Do you know how it's being broadcast in the UK? No. Uh, it's being it's it's a direct to video on the internet through Netflix. Oh, you know what? I think they did that with the last season of Breaking Bad too. Or maybe maybe it was Mad Men. I think one of the AMC shows I think did something similar like that. Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been doing little teaser ads for the final season of Mad Men. Oh yeah, they got Brian Cranston talking about how how he absolutely loves the show. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mad Men. I, I, it's tough for me. It's tough for me to care. There's only like six episodes that they're gonna show. Good. Six or seven. Yeah, Good. that's it. Get it over with. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick. I'm, I'm getting kind of sick of Don Draper's stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, John Stewart. Yeah. So this this um this news came out the day that we recorded last week. We recorded last Tuesday on the tenth. Yeah, and that that afternoon, the news news had broke, and of course, in the way that the internet does, it, it broke as soon as the taping was done. They taped the show, I think, sometime late afternoon Eastern time, and I guess as soon as the taping was over, where Stewart made the announcement, he's it was taken out, all, he's taken all over, over Brian Williams. Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, I my my kind of just, I mean, obviously, like. He had a great run. 16 years is a heck of a long time to do a show as demanding as The Daily Show. And every account you hear about him, he's like the hardest working dude on that set. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think his his retirements from the show is probably very well deserved. But I think that the interesting part about this is you have to think that Comedy Central didn't see this coming. Just with the way that they let John Oliver go do his own thing with HBO with Colbert having just left this year. I have to think that this was not not in the cards. I I'm not sure that's the case. I assume like cuz I every every year that there's a new season of the Daily Show, I always kind of thought like I'm I'm very glad he's back, but that I I always thought that he would eventually leave. Just because it's been so long and I am kind of cognizant of that fact. Like I remember watching in like the late 90s, like when he took over for Craig Kilborn and it just there's only so much he can do, and I, assu- I, I thought it kind of was coming. And I, there's nothing they can do to to prevent their top talent from leaving after they've given decades of their life. Like uh, Colbert did the daily or did the Daily Show for like five years, and then did his own show for like seven, right? Right. Like, and John Oliver has a fantastic opportunity, and he's doing really cool stuff at HBO where he does not less work. But he's able to put a lot more effort into uh, a weekly half hour rather than four uh, half hour shows a week. Uh, like, I don't know what they can do differently. I, I but I don't think it was an ent- a totally uh, surprise. Well, maybe not. And if it, but if it's not, nonetheless, it's um, a pretty big blow. 
It is, but again, what we got, uh, I, I feel very, um, very happy that I was able to watch the show for as long as I did. And I thought there was a lot of great moments that we've gotten out of it. And again, Agreed. it's not over. It's, he still has at least like another half season to go. Right. And again, and I appreciate that he's willing to do this where he says like he's not, he didn't say he was getting bored of it, but that he isn't um, sure that he can be um, as dedicated as he wants to to the show. And I respect the fact that he's willing to let go of it sooner to make sure that the quality and his like att- uh, attention doesn't kind of wane. And I think there's a lot to be respected about that. Yeah, I, I, and I respect him just for being so forthcoming about it, too. It, it wasn't like he felt that way, but then in the announcement, he kind of said something else, you know? He was just kind of laid it out there. I like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a big, uh, big couple years for uh, late-night television. Uh, Jim, Jimmy Fallon uh, taking over The Tonight Show, Conan moving to TBS, uh, Craig Ferguson leaving CBS. Uh, a lot of stuff happening. So who's going to take over for... John Stewart. Uh, probably. Uh, what's his name? Who's the Who's the senator that's a turtle? <laughs> See, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to miss the most because that's the most accurate um, impression and joke possible. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, yeah, uh, Republican senator from the great state of uh, Kentucky. That's that's correct. Yes. Yeah, but I'm gonna miss it. Yeah, and you, they'll presumably they'll they'll keep the Daily Show moniker, right? They, I think Comedy Central really wants to, but the thing is, if the if the next person is a big departure from what the Daily Show has been, because they because they run the risk of either trying to hire somebody who's just a replacement for him, which I think is kind of disrespectful. If they try to just make it look like nothing happened. But if they hire somebody new, like because like the Larry Wilmore show that I, I'm not watching, but the one that's replacing Colbert, it is fairly different than the old show. Like I think they have to kind of maybe retool it and give it a different name. Like if somebody younger takes over, like um, like who's the guy who does the show at twelve o'clock? That one, um, the guy who hosts uh, the Talking Dead. Oh, I I don't know his name, but you know who yeah. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Or uh, Chris uh, Chris Hardwick. That's him, yeah. Like, if they got somebody younger like him, like, I'd, while I'm sure he's a great interviewer and that kind of stuff, I don't think they can keep the Daily Show name. I think it, because of the work they gave, they either have to go with, like, a middle-of-the-road candidate or they have to retire the show. doesn't mean they can't have, like, a, an 11 o'clock uh, interview satire show. But I like the, the, the brand itself should probably go with Stuart. Well, I didn't I didn't watch much of Kilborn's version of the Daily Show, but in the articles that I've read since, you know, Stewart announced his departure, the impression I got was that Stewart took the Daily Show in a pretty different direction. Oh, sure, but the thing is Kilborn only had it for like 5 years. Right. versus yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah. And and Comedy Central was not a mature network at that time. Right. And Comedy Central itself is going through a lot of changes. So, hmm. That's a that's a tough spot. I I don't I don't envy somebody whose job it is to try to fill the the eleven and eleven thirty segments now. Yeah. Pretty big shoes to fill. And one of the things I do want to point out about uh, the Daily Show that I really really enjoyed is I think you'll remember back in like kind of the early years of when we were in college. Uh, remember when Hulu was becoming a thing? Mm-hmm. So the Daily Show and the Colbert Report were kind of the two shows that uh, brought that onto the map because they were two shows that embraced the internet very very wholeheartedly. And also, I think, like, in 2008, uh, The Daily Show digitized every single segment they've ever done and put it online in a searchable, like, database, which is, which is, which is nuts. It's a great point. I think, in, in addition to just the this excellent quality of the shows, I think The Daily Show and Colbert Report are both going to be known most for the way that they pioneered transitioning TV to the Internet. Exactly. They, they, they engaged millennials in a cross-platform <laughs> way. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to go run in front of a car. Sorry. Right. Kid- kidding aside. I mean, they, they did have the absolute perfect demographic to, to try something like that. And they they embraced it. You know, then that's um, that's what I respect the most about it is they they didn't they embraced change. They didn't try to hide from it or delay it, which is what we see so frequently with entertainment in general. All right. Well, um, 
we made uh, made something out of nothing, as you would say. <laughs> this turned out a little bit better than I thought it would. So yeah, let's let's quit while we're ahead. Yeah, so I think so to tease you know to tease some things coming in a couple of weeks. You you are um, you're going to be doing some big iPad experiment. Uh, not big. I'll probably fail pretty quickly. Um, but I've been uh, over the past couple of weeks. I'm slowly trying to uh, force an uh, the iPad into my life. <laughs> begrudgingly uh-huh. um and yeah I'm, i think i'm uh, probably maybe starting this sunday i'm going to try an experiment of uh kind of closing the macbook pro for a week and seeing if i can uh go through life for seven days on just an ipad and an iphone that seems very unlikely we shall see because again i'm not going to be recording the podcast so that's the only activity i think i genuinely cannot do Unless I was just using like headphones. I wonder if there is some like crazy USB to lightning adapter you could get that would make the Rode Podcaster work. I bet there's some, I bet there's some crazy way you could do that. Yeah. Anyway, but like over the past couple of weeks, I think I've been kind of I've I've done some research on applications. I've done uh, I think I've laid it out kind of in the way that I think I can make this work, and I'm hopeful. Because again, like the size of the iPad has become extremely appealing to me because the iPad is, it's just the instant on and just how light it is, 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 is very appealing. So I'm hopeful. We'll see you in uh, two weeks. I am looking forward to it.